Praise God. Good morning. Are we glad to be in God's presence this morning? Uh, I don't know about you, but I never, never get tired. Never grow tired or used to being able to come into his presence. Just that access that we have, be able to stand before him. You know, back in the Old Testament, the own, they, they were, only the high priest was allowed past the veil. And only once a year. That's the access you and I have continuously through the blood of Jesus. Okay, can we just give God a praise? Just thank him for the access. We have in his presence. Praise God. Glad you're here this morning. Uh, the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 7, and we'll be in verses 18 through 23. And I just want to go ahead and pray before we even get into the passage. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We just acknowledge your presence here. <laughs> we just acknowledge your presence here. We thank you, my God, for you, my God, that you are not a, we don't worship a God that is far off. My God, we thank you, Lord, that you are right here in this place, my God, for your word has testified to us that where two or three are gathered in your name, so there you are in the midst of them dwelling there, my God. We thank you and acknowledge your presence that's here. We thank you that we didn't just come to a program or sit in a chair or come into a building, my God, that we entered, my God, the very presence of God. We thank you so much that that's where we are right now, Lord God. We thank you, and, and my God, and we're not afraid to admit in your presence, my God, that we need you. We need you, my God. We, we need you, my God, more as the deer panteth for the water, my God, our soul it longs for you, my God. We're, we're not ashamed, my God, to declare, my God, our need of you, Lord God, our dependence upon you, my God, that, my God, without your presence, we can do absolutely and completely nothing, Lord. My God, it's like Moses declared, if your presence does not go before us, what makes us any, anything different, my God, from anyone else? My God, it's your presence. It's your presence, my God. My God, we thank you. We thank you so much. Lord, for who you are, my God. Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity. Lord God, to be in, that, in your presence, Lord. And right now, my God, we, we just come before the altar of your love. We come before the altar of your mercy. We come before the altar of our grace, my God. And we, my God, we lay our lives down at that altar. We lay our needs down at that altar, my God, that knowing that you are faithful, Lord, knowing that you are able, knowing that you are good, my God, knowing that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly far over and above our highest hopes and prayers and dreams, my God. We bring our lives in the altar of your presence. We bring our minds there. We bring our hearts there, my God. We, we bring it all. We bring it all, my God. Not just part of us, my God. We bring our all to the altar, my God, knowing that you're faithful. We bring our thoughts at the altar of your word and say, speak. Speak to us now. Speak to us now. Speak to us now. Father God, send your word and heal. Send your word and liberate. Send your word, my God. And we thank you, my God, we won't be the same. 
Father God, though it be my mouth that's moving, let it be your spirit that is speaking to every life now. We're thankful for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 7, verses 18 through 23, John's disciples told him about all these things, calling two of them. He sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you, sent us to, you to ask, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Amen. Are you the one? Um, we're going to continue a bit further into those thoughts that we were in last week. Um, in last week, we talked about this dramatic shift that we see in the testimony of John the Baptist. John, John's ministry was, a prof was prophetic in context. He was sent to prepare the way for the coming of Messiah. John had a one-part message that he preached over and over again, and that was, he is coming. There is one coming after me whose laces I'm not worthy to untie. He, he, and, and that was his one-part message. And John stood there day after day in the wilderness crying out, he is coming. Until one day, in the middle of John's testimony, Jesus came. And like I said, God is not a God who only promises. God is a God who fulfills what he promises. And that's the way God is about to show up in our lives, is that right in the middle of our prayers, right in the middle of our hope, right in the middle of your wilderness, Jesus is going to show up right in the middle of it. Help me testify to your neighbor and says, God is going to show up in the middle. Yeah, in the middle. <laughs> in the middle of it. Hallelujah. Don't let go of your faith. Don't let go of your hope. Don't let go of the testimony of who he is in your life. Because, because God is going to reveal himself right in the middle of the testimony of who he is in your life. That's why I believe that maybe God is giving you this word that God wants to restore to us the testimony of who he is in our lives because he's going to show up in the middle of that testimony. Hallelujah. But now John, who declared Jesus to be the one, is now asking, are you, are you the one? But I'm so grateful for the honesty of scriptures because it lets me know that 
that that's at times that I'm not going through something strange, that, that I'm not necessarily out of my mind. It lets me know that, 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 you, that you can experience great faith and great doubt at the same time. It lets me know that sometimes you will go through seasons where you have to testify about God's goodness to other people, yet be conflicted and wrestle with that own testimony in your own life. And so, so this is what John is going through, and he asks him, are you the one, or should we look for someone else? <laughs> Think about that for a moment. John is looking for something he already found. Are you the one or should we look? He, he's looking for something he already found. And I just wonder, maybe are we looking for something we may have already found? We are looking for purpose that we are already found. That we are looking for answers that we already found. That we're looking for even breakthrough that we have already found. You found it, but doubt and fear won't let you embrace what you found. I, I feel like almost I need to do a series about, about receiving, how to receive. I think we know sometimes how to ask, but I don't think we've been taught on how to receive because to receive, because sometimes. Sometimes receiving is just as complicated as asking. Because let, let me tell you right now that sometimes it will take more faith to embrace what you found than it took to find the thing in the first place. That it's going to take more courage to embrace the promise than it took to wait on the promise. That it's going to take more strength to say yes than it took for you to hear no. And let me put it this all of us, have you ever had a situation where you maybe you applied for something or you asked for something and, and part of you wanted it, but at the same time, that when, when the answer came no, part of you was almost relieved that it was no? Because as much as part of you wanted it, the yes is complicated. The, the, the yes comes with certain things that, that you wonder if you can handle it. The yes is not always a sim, is not as simple as it, it is made out to be. Sometimes yes is complicated. Think about Israel. Israel who cried out to God to deliver them, but fought the deliverance once it came. Cried out for the promised land, but once they got to the promised land... They didn't have, though they had the strength for the journey, they didn't have the strength to enter the thing they found. And I believe this is why when God came to Joshua, the Bible says Joshua, God told Joshua over and over, he says, be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong. He told him over and over again, but he didn't tell them this while he was walking around in the wilderness. He told them this right before he was about to step into the promised land. Because sometimes it takes a level of strength to take the next step to say yes. It takes a certain boldness to embrace the thing that God brought you to.
Hey, you hear what I'm saying to you? Jesus in Matthew 7, uh, he's citing Jeremiah 29 where, where God said, You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. But the paradox of Jesus' words is that Jesus is not speaking to unbelievers. Jesus is speaking to his own disciples. He's, he's talking to people who have already found him and are walking with him and serving him. And the question is, why should I have to seek him if I'm already walking with him? I'm glad you asked because <laughs> it has a lot to do with how, with how Jesus said we would find him. And that is with our heart. The, where the real journey of finding and seeking him is happening. It's not a journey that happens with your legs. It's not a journey that, hap that, 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 that happens with your eyes. It's not even a journey that happens in your mind. But rather, it is happening in your hearts. And, but, but that's a, a complicated testimony. That's where, in our hearts, is where things get complicated. That, that, because it is in our hearts that, that things get blurry and, and get, things get murky and things get confusing. It's in our hearts, right? That's where the testimony gets all twisted up. And confused. It's in our heart. The testimony is so clear. His promises are so clear when it comes to our ears. But by the time that promise reaches the complexity of our hearts, that's where the battle begins. Because your, our hearts are complicated. Let me tell you something. The, the, message, the message of faith the message of Scripture is simple. The message of God is simple. Trust in me. That, that whole book that you are holding and we are reading and studying has one fundamental message. Trust me. That's it. The message is so simple. But the problem is our hearts are complicated. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? All of that volume of Scripture... It's not because the message is complicated. It's because our hearts are complicated. Oh, I guess you have a lot more faith in your heart than you, uh, I have in mine. That's okay. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. My heart's complicated. Complicated. Trying to sort through all the complexities and the issues and the paradoxes of my heart. And... Let, let, let me show, let me, uh, show you something. It's, uh, I, have, I have a picture I want to show you. Uh, if you can put it on the screen for me. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, how many of you see certain symbols on the screen that maybe look like Hebrew characters or something? If you see symbols on the screen, lift up your hand. Okay. If you see letters on the screen. Raise your hand. Okay. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to see if you if you're just tricking me. What does the letter say? Oh. <laughs> Probably a lot better than our family because we were looking at a similar picture 
uh, we were out on vacation, and then, then there was this, this, this wooden plaque, and we were eating lunch, and we were all, all, all my family were looking at it, trying to figure out what it said. Because if you, look, if you don't look at the plaque, it looks like these weird symbols there, and it took us a couple of days of eating there to realize it was said Jesus on it. And the, and the reason I, I put that up there is that I feel that sometimes this is where we miss Jesus. This is where we miss him. It's not in what we see, but it's in how we see. And by the way, for, for, for those of you who are, are, are it's all symbols and you don't want to say, if you look at the black, the black letters will tell you it's Jesus. <laughs> um, but it's not in how, what we see, but how we see. In fact, uh, doctors tell us that Really, you may think that you see with your eyes, but you're not really seeing with your eyes. The picture that you're seeing right now is actually, the, it, is, it is the information process interpreted by your brain that's giving you the picture. Your eyes are sending the information. Your brain is interpreting that information and giving you a picture. So you're not really seeing with your eyes, you're seeing with your head. And that's where, that's where it, begins, it gets complicated, is in that interpretation. And, and, the, and it, 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 that we interpret everything we see through the lenses of our own expectations. I, I, I don't know if I said this example before, but I, how, how, all of us know the, the Heiger buses. Well, my brain does not know any such word as Heiger. So for years... I thought it said higher <laughs> because my brain does not, is like there's no such thing as higher, higher. It, it was not until I, I, I sat in traffic behind the, one of the, the higher buses for a long time and realized there was a letter missing. <laughs> and I realized then that my eyes were interpreting. <laughs> it's complicated. Tell your neighbor it says it's complicated. This is the fuel that's feeding John's doubts. It is John's expectation of how Jesus would liberate them from bondage. The expectation was that Messiah would deliver them from the oppression of Rome. But Jesus, we all know that Jesus was after the real oppressor. The oppressor within. The oppressor who had bound them from within. Because... Let me tell you something, if, if when those chains really begin to break in us, when we experience liberty from within, when we experience liberty from fear, shame, and guilt, that is the type of liberty that hell will begin to tremble at. That's the type of liberty that the enemy is really afraid that you're going to experience. If you ever get free within, if you ever have liberty on the inside of you, they put Paul in prison because they thought the chains would restrain his ministry. But they didn't realize that, that if you have really experienced liberty from within, there is no chain forged by man or hell that can hold you back from what God has for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That's the type of liberty that Paul had. In fact, many of Paul's epistles that we are all encouraged by and edified through were written from a prison cell. In that scripture would rejoice. 
I say to you again, rejoice always, was written from a prison cell. <laughs> Paul, while in chains, was impacting more lives from prison than most do from outside the prison. Think about the generations that have been impacted from that prison cell. <laughs> Paul was so free that when he had an opportunity to escape prison, <laughs> he stayed so that he could lead his captor to Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? That is liberty on a whole nother level. Are you when you begin to liberate your captor, when you're so free inside <laughs> that you begin to liberate those who wanted to do you harm, that, you be, you be, that your heart is so free that you're able to forgive and to liberate and to the point where you're able to minister Christ to your enemies. That is a whole nother level, level of liberty. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? In fact, Paul was, in a, in a way, Paul was basically saying, I don't need to escape because I was never a captive in the first place. I don't need to escape because I was always free. The chains, didn't, the chains on my wrist doesn't make me bound or does not free me. I have liberty from within. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? <laughs> Hallelujah. That the chains they thought they were using to bind him was actually positioning him right where he needed to be in the first place. That while he was a captive on a ship going to Rome, God told him, don't, don't fear not, Paul, for you must testify to me. You must testify about me to Rome that this whole situation is this positioning you to where you need to be. It's not binding you. The chains on your wrist is not binding you because once I liberate it, nothing can really bind you. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. And I don't have to wait for my situation to change to be free. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I have freedom no matter where I'm, what, no matter what situation I'm in or where I go. That's the type of liberty that God in Christ was giving. Hallelujah. But this is not the type of freedom that people or John were expecting. And despite all that Christ was doing, what Christ was doing was not fitting into the frame of what they had pictured. So, John asked, are you the one? Or should we be looking for someone else? Because this is not the way it was supposed to happen, Jesus. <laughs> Just wanted to let you know you're doing it all wrong, Jesus. <laughs> you're doing it all wrong. This is not the way it's supposed to go. But, we have, but you have to understand that there is a difference. And hear me well now. There is a difference between what God promised you and your interpretation of what God promised you. Naaman was a Syrian general who had leprosy. And the Bible says that uh, through one of his servants, he heard that there was a prophet in Israel. So that, that could heal him. And so Naaman went 
to Israel in search of Elisha, and he came to Elisha's house. But the problem is that when this, this great general came to Elisha's house, Elisha didn't even come to the door of the house. He didn't come out to meet him. He sent a servant to the general and said, my master says, go down to the Jordan, dip seven times, and you will be cleansed. And at this point, Naaman was irate. <laughs> he was irate he said, because he said, you telling me I journeyed all this way to be told that I should go dip and wash myself in water. He said, and he said, aren't the waters in my home much cleaner than the waters of the Jordan? And he said, and he, and he said to him, he says, I thought for sure. <laughs> I, I could have swore. I, this, I thought for sure that this is the way that it was going to happen. I thought for sure this is the way that it was going to go. I, th I, I thought for sure he was going to come out and then wave his hands over the spot of my leprosy and call upon the name of his Lord and to cleanse me of this leprosy. But the picture is very different from the reality of what God was doing. There is a difference between your picture and what God is about to do. And God is obligated to his promise. He is not obligated to your picture. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? <laughs> and so, and so, <laughs> thank God, though, for Naaman's servant who came to have the boldness and sensitivity to tell Naaman, said, listen. If you want to receive your healing, if you want to receive your breakthrough, you're going to have to put aside what you thought it was going to be and how you pictured it was going to go and, and, and participate and dip yourself in the authenticity of what God is doing. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I'm setting someone free today. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Because... We need to stop living our faith through our picture and start reframing our picture to engage our faith in what God is doing. Your frame is too small to capture what God wants to do in your life. And you see, many of you, you're getting, we, we are getting tripped up, not over what really God is doing, but the, what's tripping us up is that we're trying to fit what God is doing in the frame of our picture, and the two are not fitting together. In fact, John's own father, Zechariah, had prayed for a child while they were young. But when, but, 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 when the angel Gabriel came years later, after they were old, and the picture of how and when God was supposed to answer them did not fit the picture that Zechariah had, Zechariah's expectation, he had a hard time receiving what God wanted to do in his life. But 
if God would have adjusted to his picture, he would have had a son. But God wanted to do more than just give him a son. He wanted to give him a John the Baptist. He wanted to give him a prophet who would come in the spirit and the power of Elisha who would prepare the way for the coming of Messiah. And what I'm just, what I'm trying to tell you is that your picture is too small to capture what God wants to really do in your life. And it's because God's grace in your life, and it's because he loves you, that he doesn't come to meet you in your picture. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? God's plan is so much significant than your picture. Let go of the picture and trust and embrace what God is doing. Oof, God. We interpret the promise many times based upon what we think we need. But do we trust God enough that he knows better than the difference between what you want and what you need? That you may want one thing, but that's not what you really need. That's why the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will satisfy your desires with good things. In other words, he's saying you don't know how to satisfy your own desires. You may have a picture of what you think will satisfy your desires. You may think you know, you, you know and you may be pursuing what you think will satisfy your desires. But God knows how to satisfy it more than you do. Hallelujah. You hear what I'm saying to you? In fact, when God answers you, you ask based on the moment, but God answers based upon his plan. And your plan, his plan in your life is so much bigger than the need of the moment. And when he answers you, he's not, he's not thinking about the moment. He's thinking about his plan. Oh, God. And in Israel's current circumstance, what they thought they needed was deliverance from Rome. And he was going to bring deliverance from Rome, but just not in the way they thought. He, they never imagined that God was going to liberate the captives, that the captor, that Rome itself would bow to the cross. That was not in their But God's plan is bigger than your picture. But that's why the crucifixion was so difficult to accept because the one whom they thought would deliver them from Rome had just been crucified by Rome. That's why when Jesus talked to his disciples about the, cru the crucifixion, Peter rebuked him. Peter rebuked God's plan. And sometimes if you're not careful, you can find yourself rebuking God's plan because it didn't fit your picture. Because what Jesus was talking about did not fit their interpretation of what Christ's coming was supposed to do for them. And even though Jesus, Jesus told them, can you, they were confused at the, when the crucifixion happened, but Jesus was telling them, he told them, he came to them and said, listen guys, 
I'm going to be handed over and betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. But because, because their interpretation of what they expected him to do and how they expected him to do it kept them from receiving what he was actually doing. And so, that's why when two of the disciples were walking on the road from Emmaus, the, to Emmaus rather, whom Jesus met, met after the resurrection, they were so broken because they thought he was the one who came to deliver Israel. But they crucified them and according to their interpretation of who Christ was supposed to be, that was not what was supposed to happen. And they said, we thought he was the one. But he was crucified. And, and the Bible says that he began to open up the scriptures to them. Began to speak to them. And see, but the thing is that Jesus appeared to them while they were, walked, they were walking along the road. But the Bible says they were kept from recognizing him. Because, could it be because their interpretation of who Christ was supposed to be was keeping them from recognizing who Christ actually was, or is, rather. He is, not was. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? See, some of you are asking, where is God in my life? Where is God in this situation? But could it be he's right next to you, walking with you? But you're, but you're not recognizing what he's doing in your life. You're not recognizing him in your life because, he is, because you're, he's not meeting or it, the frame of your expectation and what you're expecting him to do. And you are missing, you, 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 you're failing to see and recognize him while he's right with you the whole time. And the Bible says that, that, that as Jesus walked, and he began to speak to them. The Bible says their hearts began to burn. Their hearts began to burn within them. And I thought about that for a moment because if something's burning, that means something is being consumed. And could it be that what is being consumed, that as Jesus spoke, that their picture of what they thought he was going to do there are all those complicated expectations and all those that complication began to be consumed in the in the fires of the truth of his word why do i say that because because the bible says that finally at the end their eyes came open and they recognized him and i feel that what that's what god wants to do that he wants he wants to consume he wants to consume all those expectations and all of these pictures and all these interpretations. He wants to consume it in the truth of what he is doing and consume it in the truth of who he is so that the veil could be lifted, the veil will be consumed, and you can recognize who he is in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And John said, are you the one or should we expect someone else? And we know the scripture, the Bible says that at that moment, he began to heal, began to deliver, began to open up blind eyes, began to lift up the lame, began to raise the dead. 
began to teach, began to speak. And Jesus goes to, goes to the messenger and says, go back and tell John everything you saw and everything you heard. Because Jesus understood that John's faith was so captive to what he wanted him to do that he couldn't see what he was actually doing. And Jesus was saying to John, you need to lift up your eyes from what you expected me to do so that your faith can participate in what I'm actually doing. Because just because I'm not doing and I'm not fitting your expectations, just because I'm not, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't minimize myself to your frame does not mean that I'm not moving in your life. Hallelujah. And this is why I said to you earlier that it was going to take boldness to say yes. Because saying yes means that you're going to have to have the courage to let go of your picture. That it means that you're going to have to trust that what God is doing is better than your picture and expectations of what you wanted him to do. Do you trust enough in God's goodness to trust that, he's, that what he is doing is greater and better than your picture? And I realize that in the end, the Bible says... Uh, Jesus concluded the thought in he, he, he the way that Jesus says something says uh, things sometimes that can really throw you for a loop it's almost like a riddle for because he, he said at the end he said blessed is he who does not fall away on the account of me well I, I'm I, I'm coming to you I'm looking for you. So how can I fall away <laughs> on the account of you? Are you hearing? Are you hearing me? How, you, how can you be the reason I, fall, I fell away from you? It, I don't understand. It doesn't, doesn't sound right. Blessed is he who does not fall away on the account of me. But as I begin to put this thing, thread these thoughts together, I begin to understand that sometimes what we expected him to do and our expectations of, who, of what he was supposed to do, sometimes we are, we are offended because of our own expectations. <laughs> that what causes us to fall away is that discrepancy between our expectations and what he's doing. Isn't that what was offending Naaman? The discrepancy between the picture and what God was really doing and that offense almost kept him from entering into his miracle. And I began to understand now when he says blessed is he because sometimes the blessing is in your ability to let go of your picture and embrace and dip yourself in the, in the authenticity of what God is doing. That's where the blessing is. 
And, and, and in the end, and I'll invite this, I'll give you the homework and say, you can read it when you go home, but the Bible says the messengers left and something amazing begins to happen in this moment. And actually, let's all rise on our feet. I'm, 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 I'm closing now. But something remarkable begins to happen. And it's so rich. It's so rich. And a paradox at the same time that messengers leave. And then, right there, that moment, Jesus begins to talk about the greatness of John the Baptist. He tells them, What did you go out to the wilderness to see? He begins talking about John, and he concludes it and says that no one of born of men has been greater. Then John the, I don't understand. In the moment he's questioning you, <laughs> in the moment you're doubting, he's, he's doubting the whole testimony. Jesus is affirming him while John is questioning him. It's almost like the, the whole thing turned. Because in the beginning, it was John affirming. But now, it's Jesus affirming who John is in John's ministry. What a merciful God we serve. What an absolutely merciful God we serve. That even though in those moments when we question him, he is not questioning who he's called us to be. No one has risen greater than John the Baptist. And Because Jesus knew the issue was just a picture. And I think the challenge for us is to reframe the picture so we can participate. What I'm trying to tell you is that God is not questioning who he called you to be. He's not questioning your promise in his life. doesn't matter how many times you fall or how hard you fall or how public you fall. Jesus said, my, my calling still stands. My calling in your life still stands. The issue is your participation in this. I want you to be able to participate in it. I haven't canceled it. I want you to participate in it. And the challenge for you to participate in it is that you have to trust what I'm doing and let go of the picture, John. And I feel that there's so many Johns in this place. And some of you have just, just walking around with so many complicated questions, questioning God, questioning God's promise, questioning his calling. But God is not questioning you. <laughs> He's affirming you, affirming his promise. And God says, let go of the picture so you can participate. I am the one, John. I am the one. 
let go of the pictures so you can see me. So you can realize why I'm... Hey, this is just a reminder. Have you subscribed to our Telegram channel? Not only will you find important announcements, but also access to our daily devotionals, family devotionals, and much, much more. We also want to take this moment to thank you for your generosity and faithfulness throughout the years. Not only is your giving a fragrant and acceptable offering before God, but Paul in 2 Corinthians 9.12 describes it as an expression of ministry. And it is that very ministry that allows us to continue to put our hands to the plow together in the work of reaching people with the message of God's grace and love. You can give through four different avenues. You can stop by your nearest commercial bank or Braham Bank and deposit your offering into the account number on the screen. You can also take advantage of either bank's mobile banking apps. For those of you who have international major credit cards or debit cards, you can give online on our website, bezachurch.org. And you can always stop by our accounting office on the PK Building 5th floor, and they will be happy to serve you there. In this extraordinary and unusual season, we appreciate you going out of your way to give. Thank you. God bless you. Bemecharasham, and neger lastawsachu. Yebeza Telegram channel and join yadurgu. በቴሌግራም የቤተክርስቲያን ማስተዋቂያ ብቻ ሳይሆን የለታዊ የእግዚአብሔር ቃል ጥናት የቤተሰብ ጥናት እና ሌሎች አጫጭር ነገሮችን ያገኛሉ። በዚህ መንፈሳዊነቱን በመመገብ ይጥቁ። በመጨረሻ ለእግዚአብሔር በታማኝነት እንደቃሉ አስራትና መባቹን የፍቅር ስጦታችን ስለምትሰጡ እግዚአብሔር ይባርካችሁ። ለእግዚአብሔር የምትሰጡት ስጦታችሁ በእግዚአብሔር ዘንድ እንደ መልካም ማዕዛ እንደሆነ ቃሉ ያስተምረናል። ይብቻ ሳይሆን ሁለተኛ ቆሮንጦስ ምዕራፍ 9 ቁጥር 12 ላይ እንደሚያስተምረን ለእግዚአብሔር የምናቀርበው አገልግሎታችንም ጭምር ነው ይሄው አገልግሎታችሁ በእግዚአብሔር ያገልግሉት እርሻ ላይ አብልጠን እንድንዘረጋ ሰዎችንም በእግዚአብሔር የጸጋ ቃል እንድንدرس የሚያደርገን አብረን የምንጠመድበት ያገልግሉት እድል ነው ስትሰጡ በአራት መንገድ መስጠት ይችላልላችሁ አንደኛ በቅርባችሁ ወደሚገኝ የኢትዮጵያ ንግድ ባንክ ወይም ብርሃን ባንክ በመሄድ ሁለተኛ በተለይም በዚህ እንግዳ ጊዜ በስልካችሁ በሚገኝ ሞባይል ባንኪንግ አፕ እንድትጠቀሙ አብልጠንን መከራለን ከኢትዮጵያ ውጪ ላላችሁ ወገኖቻችን ደግሞ በሜጀር ክሬዲት ካርድ ወይም ዴቢት ካርድ በመጠቀም bezachurch.org ድረገጽ ላይ በመሄድ መስጠት ይችላልላችሁ በመጨረሻም በቲኬ ኢንተርናሽናል ህንፃ አምስተኛ ፎቅ ላይ በሚገኘው የቤዛ ሂሳብ ክፍል በመሄድ ለተሰጡት ይችላልላችሁ በዚህ ባልተለመደ እንግዳ በሚመስል ጊዜ ሁሉን አልፋችሁ ለእግዚአብሔር ሥራ ከሌላው ጊዜ አብልጣችሁ ስለተዘረጋችሁ እግዚአብሔር ይባርካችሁ እንወዳችኋለን እግዚአብሔር ይጣበቃችሁ ፍቱንም ያብራላችሁ